And here we go. Another episode of Fire Builders Live. Welcome to Nico Leo. Basically, God, well, welcome to Fire Builders Live. Uh, I can't wait. This is going to be a great show. So great to have you here. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm looking forward to it. I heard the, the roosters have been quiet, but you had a little extra songbird action back there for nice it's, ambiance. It's always something here. It's always yeah. something. Uh, yeah, so uh, so if you don't know what Fire Builders Live does, the premise of this show is that we take, we bring on experts, we talk about um, you know great big goals and breaking them down into small steps that people can do consistently to uh, get better at whatever it is they're looking to get better at. And today, Nico, man, this is going to be a great interview. The stuff that you've done, like just watching some of your videos, even on your Instagram account, which we'll share later, are just amazing, man. They're just amazing what you're doing. Um, So if you don't know who Nico is, he's a street uh, magician. He uh, has traveled around. It wasn't just the U.S. It was the entire world, right? Um, traveling around uh, on the motorcycle and doing shows, things like that, Magician on a Motorcycle? Yeah, the Magician on a Motorcycle was the platform for getting experience doing street theater in different venues. I knew that if I just picked one town and built my show entirely based on those uh, circumstances, once I got out to travel, which was the goal of becoming a street performer, I knew that I would uh, run into some issues with adapting. So I went straight into getting as much experience adapting as I could and uh, sort of built the show and the character around that out the gate. I mean, talk about definitely having to adapt to different situations and stuff. I mean, uh, that's, that's as pretty as like as hardcore as you can go at the very beginning, just, just being on the bike, traveling to different cities and then, and then, because no, normally you, you end up having to establish yourself a little bit in every city that you go and try and perform in. Yeah, there's different levels of establishment. There's the uh, the show itself, like what, what lines are going to work in an area. You know, a certain kind of comedy. If you travel to a different part of the country, you may run into some issues there. Um, but also, I guess on a larger scale, just getting the opportunity to perform many Many pitches, many cities have a pre-existing network of street performers, and it uh, has varying degrees of organization, and sometimes it's just pure clout and, like, character. How, how can you get in and get friendly with the local buskers? Um, so that can take creative stuff. Sometimes you're at the D-level quality of place to perform itself. You know, if a town has the best spot to perform well the guy that's been there 15 years is probably going to have that spot right right you can't just muscle in just ride in and be like yo here i am kind of thing well if so so how i met nico is an interesting story and i'll just go into this really quick before we uh before we get into it but basically i go to a party with my family every year at mardi gras and you actually parked your motorcycle right outside of harry's corner bar like this was years ago. This was like must have been like five, six, seven years ago, something like that. Yeah, maybe even longer. Uh, but uh, I was into bikes at the time, and I'm thinking to myself, man, who is this dude? He's got the whole setup. It was like uh, an adventure bike with the with the racks and everything, and it said magician on a motorcycle. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta wait for this guy to show up and talk to him. <laughs> and uh, and you did, and you showed up, and uh, 
and then you know we've kind of like kept in touch ever since yeah yeah like i told you when you reached out to uh organize this interview i had just been cleaning quarantine cleaning and found my little playing card keep all my notes all my office note to do list things on playing cards but i found yours and it had your <laughs> it had your email and it said motorcycles um engineer and a few other things but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's cool man uh it's such a great story that you've got and uh and so today we're going to be talking about trying new stuff because I can imagine as you're a performer, you're constantly having to adapt. You're constantly having to learn new things to raise the bar, et cetera. So um, as people, you know, people don't put themselves into as difficult of a position as you have with regards to traveling around and exposing yourself to the, you know, to the opportunities for failure that a lot of people um, that, that come with, you know, doing street magic and uh and performance so so there's a lot of people out there that are watching right now that want to try new stuff but they get stuck they get like paralyzed they feel like they're gonna fail they feel like a little bit apprehensive about showing off a little bit or or learn or or, i don't know performing in some way shape or form for you what is you know one thing that you could suggest that people do just to help them through that and and really get get a little bit of momentum going um, I would say one thing is to not lose context for what it is that you're doing and where you're at in the timeline of doing it. Um, the present moment can, you know, it's a practice to stay present, but sometimes the, uh, visceral emotional impact of the present moment can be enough to deter you. It, it works both ways. It can draw you towards a path, but it can deter you away from it. And, what something you said just a minute ago was most people don't expose themselves to the opportunities to fail. And I think that opportunity to fail, most people don't think of failing as an opportunity. Um, but I think that that is a really useful way to think about it. Um, giving yourself the, the, the chance to fail. I think that casting failure in a different light than, uh, than what we're kind of conditioned to is a key component to it. But, if you're new at learning something, don't forget that you're new. Don't forget that, you know, the people that you were likely to have been inspired to try whatever it is by someone that was not new. Very rarely do we look at somebody messing up something that they've never really tried before and go, oh, that's something I would like to do. It's like You see someone that's put in a lot of time and then that's what makes you want to do it. But yep. the, ex- the example that you're, your reference point is someone that's not new not learning it so not to lose context that you're a beginner and kind of give yourself a little bit of slack you know uh like for instance has there been a time that you can remember uh that you just totally like screwed something up or or you know you had a really tough show or something like that where you were learning something new and maybe you wanted to quit but then you didn't you pushed through it does anything come to mind um well, thinking about this interview beforehand, the last few days, one of the, I was trying to think of the things that I've tried, like the not necessarily the things that I made it very far in, but the things that I uh, discovered were not the path, like not not what I was going to pursue. And one of the things I mean, we never we didn't talk about this at all, but one of the things that I did try 
living in New Orleans, um, I went and spent one night as a dancer at a male strip club. <laughs> and we, this was we on, didn't talk about we this. Did, no, we didn't talk about this. This was on Lundy Gras. Um, and I was dating a dancer at the time and just was curious about what what their life was like, what, you know, obviously it's going to be different between male and female, but I was just curious about what the culture was like. And, um, some of the things I saw these guys doing for dollars, I was like, I would just rather do a magic trick for that. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. 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 Like, uh, like how did you, so what did they, they teach you some of this stuff? Did you, you like, you had a, Kind of like, you know, when you're going to a restaurant and you're, uh, you're new as a waiter and you follow somebody around, is that basically how it works? Like, no, there was nothing of that sort. It was purely, um, purely independent. If anything, it was kind of the opposite. Like I had a guy, it, it's, it's independent contractors. So it, um, you know, I was very clearly not cut out to do it, um, at least as far as my approach to interacting with people, I wanted to like, I guess, charm them with my wit. And that's not, <laughs> not really what, not what they're there for. Not what they're there for. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, a guy came up to me at one point and was like, Hey, your name kind of sounds like mine. And it's confusing me on the call out for stage dances. So would you mind? Uh, changing your name. I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to come back here anyways. Yeah. 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 Well, so what then, what then, if you have those types of experiences, what has happened shifted in your mindset, right. To, to say, you know what, I just want to become a, like a male dancer for a little while and try that out. Like, is it just that you do that so often that you start to build confidence that you know, and desensitize yourself that you're going to fail. You'll probably be a horrible male stripper for a little bit, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. Like, and it doesn't really bother you anymore. Yeah. Um, for me, me personally, it's curiosity. Curiosity drives the vast majority of the little endeavors that I tinker in. Um, I I believe that there's a lot of potential in cross pollination as far as experiences And that to me has been a big part of how I shaped my character as someone that has a wide variety of experiences. There's a lot of, there's a lot of value in specialization. Um, but I think a big part of what has driven me is, uh, to, to experiment so much is I believe that you can get good at being bad at something. I think that like you can get used to being new. You can get used to, not being good at something yet. Um, and then that will transfer some degree of that will transfer over to the next thing that you're also not good at yet. And, and yeah, I like that a lot because I think a lot of people, they get, they get, they don't have that sort of mentality. And so they get stuck at that first step, right? Where they think to themselves, man, I'm not going any farther. I'm not going any higher than this. So and I'm going to quit. And that's where I feel like the whole imposter syndrome comes into play with a lot of folks. You know, when they're trying something new, they feel so transparent. Like everybody's looking at them and saying, oh man, this guy's a total phony, right? He's a faker. Um, you know, like as you're standing there, as you're dancing on stage as a, as like a one night male stripper, did you feel that? 
type of intimidation? Did you feel like you were a fake or did you just not care and just moved on? I knew, I think that there was, it didn't, I wasn't so emotionally invested in the, in the outcome of it. I knew that everybody there, I knew that I was not the first time. It was not the first time a new dancer got up and made a fool of themselves. Um, so if anything, I was like, Oh, I get to be, I get to be that guy today. Um, so yeah, not being, and what you just said there about not being as emotionally invested in like the outcome, I think that's a really key part of all of this is, uh, is that, you know, if you're, if you're trying something new, but you've got to make it work, like there's no other way. And you're so emotionally invested in some future projected favorable outcome that you can see in your head and you say, I'm going to be this person. Right. And then you try it for a few times and you're not that person and you realize, whoa, this is way harder than I thought. Um, I can see that gap between where you are and where you want to be perceive to get bigger and bigger and bigger and grow and grow and grow to to you're like, man, this is never going to happen. And I think that what you just said about not being emotionally invested is incredibly important. Like who cares? You know, you did that that future version of yourself, like, don't even think about that right now. Like stay present, stay learning and, uh, and just sort of have fun with it in the moment. Yeah. Um, in reference to imposter syndrome, I, I, I don't want to sound pessimistic or, or dreary in outlook, but you hear all sorts of stories about professional entertainers with decades of experience you know, the ones that are open about it, many of them will talk about still having imposter syndrome. Um, who's a James, James Dean, I think, 30, 40 years performing, and he says that he puked before going on stage still. Yeah. So um, I think that, you know, we expect that the fear will go away, but I, I think that it might just be part of it. I think that not judging yourself for having the fear, not judging yourself for feeling like an imposter, um, but just progressing and pushing through it anyhow. I think that that is a marker of success. I think so too. I think that, and the more, the more used to that feeling you get, the better, you know, the quicker that you're going to move through it, hopefully. Right. Maybe not in the case of James Dean, but, uh, but for, you know, some people they can get over that. So if that's the case, then, the follow-up question on fire builders live is basically the simplest way to start incorporating, you know, that type of thing into their life. So just to recap, if you're joining us now, uh, the, the thing to do to get over that type of fear is not to, is to, um, not rem- <laughs> sorry, is not to forget the context of what you're doing. Right. Uh, and both, like you said, what you're doing and at what stage you're in, so give yourself a little bit of you know leeway. If you're learning, be okay with that. Um, but then, how do you how do you want people to apply that to their life? Do they have to force themselves to try new things in order to in order to sort of live in that feeling for a second and then be okay with it? Uh, with most things, the I, I believe that the best way to do it is to just do it, like get out and and make opportunities to fail. Um, as far as like the simplest way, the, 
it, it seems like the biggest part of failure or fear of trying new things is the fear of failure and the emotional impact of that. So the simplest action I can think of uh, and something that I still try to do as often as I can is to play with your food. And this is going to sound weird, but if you're eating raisins or nuts or anything, M&M's, something that is small, um, practice throwing it up and catch it in your mouth. It could even just be a short little distance, but put a little risk into your snacking. <laughs> and Which depending- is normally like a pretty risk-free endeavor for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Um, normally not something you have to think too much about. But after the first few times that you get hummus on your face, maybe in front of your friends, um, you're, you're going to get a little desensitized to that. You're going to get a little desensitized to looking silly. But the, the act of engaging in a risk, a behavior with risk, the times that you pull it off, you're getting such a strong punch of positive reinforcement because you're getting food. Like food is a great way to incentivize humans. Um, so you, it's, it's double-sided. You get the benefit of getting comfortable with failing. And when you do succeed in something that wasn't just a easy, a terribly easy task, something that did have some degree of risk in it, when you succeed in that, you get used to, you get more adapted to the feeling of having overcome a small challenge. That's, that's a cool way to think about it. It really is. Uh, just that small little element of risk. Cause you're right. Maybe, maybe the things that if you do need to practice this every day, the idea of setting yourself up for opportunities to fail. I mean, maybe you don't want to go full, you know, full in and just working your way up and uh, weaning yourself off of that feeling of comfort that you probably have and don't even think about now on a daily basis. I think that's a really good way to do it. I think that's cool. Yeah. Comfort uh, is one way of phrasing it. I would almost go with uh, certainty. Like we like the certain, we tend to prefer certainty. Um, but when you're looking up at this cashew coming down at your face you're not entirely certain that you're gonna get it um so man i dig it all right man i like it uh well so if people want to find out about what you're doing these days and the new things that you're going to be learning here um how do they how do they connect with you how can people find out more about you uh my so the long-term project that I've been working on is getting more photography prints. I've uh, been doing photography for a few years now and trying to get an e-commerce business with that. Um, that's fledgling. That's Nico Leo Photography. Um, you can find the website there. But the last, just in the last week or so, a bunch of my circus and performer friends started doing a trick-a-day May challenge to post a video of a trick every day. And... Um, you know, I've been a street performer for eight years now. I pretty much strictly perform live. And now I'm learning how to perform digitally, how to perform for a camera um, and just create magic in a way that's kind of unlike anything I've ever done before. So the in, my Instagram is probably where you'll find the most current activity. Um, and that's 
Yeah, I'll be on there every day for the next 28 days. Yeah. Well, and I'll post a, a link to your Instagram in the comments uh, so that people can see it because I've seen some of the stuff that you're doing. And, uh, you know, for somebody that's just learning about performing for a camera, which you have no feedback, I feel like that's the hardest part about it is there's like no feedback from people, um, body language or, you know, vocal cues or anything. Um you're doing a pretty damn good job. Like some of those tricks are awesome, man. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is different with the feedback. With street performing, the trick is really secondary. It's entirely about your personality and your presentation and how well you connect with people. And with doing it for the camera, it's almost a complete inversion where it's entirely how good the effect is, how good the trick is. So good, good work in the other side of my brain. For yeah, a, for a bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably going to help. I mean, all of this I feel will be beneficial. You know, it all kind of uh, um, feeds off of itself in a holistic way. So the more practice you get in front of the camera, I feel like the better that you're going to be as a street performer when you finally do get <clears throat> back out there and start doing some stuff live. Yeah, it's been crazy to see how many people that literally only caught ten minutes like the last 10 minutes of a street show four years ago are now getting some of these, some of these tricks, some of these videos. Uh, I, my, my art is usually so temporary that I don't know, you know, it's tough to look back at a collection of all my life's work because there were crowds that dispersed. Um, but putting a little more time into media in the digital media has, um, kind of brought these people out of the woodworks, people that I had no idea were still following me from a street show. Totally. And, and how you affected their life in some way that in some little way that maybe was inconsequential for you, but had a huge impact on them. You know, as they were, they were blowing through new Orleans or wherever. Yeah. I had put a good amount of, uh, context into my shows when I was talking about being three years into a three month experiment and people kind of got an idea that I was um, trying new things. And so there's some marginal degree of uh, osmosis there where they then were slightly more inspired to go try whatever the thing they wanted to do was. Hell yeah. And I would imagine, too, just now that like you have such a larger reach of people doing these tricks. But uh, Nico the Leo is his Instagram, in case you guys want to look that up. And I'll put it in the comments. But uh, um now that you have such a larger reach, I mean that effect, that osmosis effect, is only gonna is only gonna be magnified, right? Like you're gonna have a ton of people coming back to you and saying, "Dude, that like ring trick that you just did was incredible," and it kind of kind of like inspired me to learn how to do that. Yeah, a big show on the street would be 200 people, maybe 300 max. Um, here, the scale is, I mean, the scale is unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah, so uh so awesome man. Well, honestly, thanks for being here. I uh I hope that people got just a little bit out of this as far as you know how to get over that imposter syndrome and how to not stay stagnant, right? Go out there, try new things, give yourself the benefit of the doubt, realize that you're learning and uh and you know, start tossing cashews into your mouth, you know. <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to see videos. I want to see tag tag me in the chocolate mess all over your forehead <laughs> dude thank you so much this has been a great conversation i uh, really appreciate you being on any parting words 
Uh, go find some opportunities to fail. Yeah. Damn straight. All thanks right. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode of Firebuilders Live. Adios. See you guys.